Today is April 25th, 2023. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. Let's talk some boxing. We are fresh off the victory for Javante Tank Davis in which he stopped Ryan Garcia this past Saturday in Las Vegas. It was an excellent event. I'm here to break it all down from my perspective. This fight went pretty much how I expected it to go. Tank started out really slow, as he always does in the first round, and took that round to just sit back and watch what Ryan was able to do. Ryan didn't do too much, but he did flick his jab out there a little more. He did push the action much more than Javante Tank Davis did. So I had, that give, I had to give that round to Ryan by default. Then the second round begins, and Ryan gets a little more aggressive. Ryan actually tries to press the action much more and has some success doing it. He's winning that round. He's landing right hands. Still kind of missing with the left hook, but he's definitely making his presence felt. He's doing something I didn't expect him to do, and that was fight well from close range. I knew he wanted to press the action, but I didn't expect him to dive in the pocket like he did. Used his jab to get in there too. It's not like he just dove in. He actually used some creativity to create openings for himself and landing that right hand. While doing that though, he got too confident. He started trying to unload with that famous left hook. And he made a mistake that we've talked about many times before on this podcast. And I'm sure if you're a fan of Javante Tank Davis, you know about the Leo Santa Cruz fight. Ryan Garcia made a similar mistake. Leo Santa Cruz famously throws three of the same punch in a row. While Ryan didn't necessarily throw the same punch three times in a row, he led with the same punch to begin a combination three times in a row. And that's diving in with the left hook. He did that three times in a row. That is where the disparity and not only skill level, but IQ took center stage because Tank Davis had been practicing avoiding that hook the entire camp. He told us that in the lead up to the fight, saying all you have is a left hook. You're not a complete fighter. You only have one weapon. Javante Tank Davis had that weapon excellently scouted. He barely got hit with a left hook the entire night, let alone a flush one. So while Ryan is lunging in with left hook central, trying to land a huge knockout shot in a round that he's already winning, instead of taking what Tank was giving to you, going up 2-0, He's lunging in with these hooks. He's chasing Tank around the ring, which was a huge mistake. And Tank is just making it look easy. Dipping low, like we talked about in the preview to the fight. That was a huge factor for Tank. Dip low. You're already a smaller guy. Dip at the waist like he's been doing in previous fights. He does it masterfully here. Masterfully. This dude doesn't get hit with any of those hooks. Not only only does he not get hit, he gets low enough so that hook isn't even grazing him. He dips under the hooks, pops back up with a left hand of his own that sends Ryan Garcia to the canvas. Ryan gets up pretty quickly. Credit to him. Doesn't seem like he's badly hurt, but he's definitely rocked 
mentally because he does finish that round strong. But from round three up until round six, Ryan is far less aggressive, pretty much just slowly following Tank around the ring, but not nearly taking as many risks as he did in the second round. In the sixth round, though, he turns it up. He has a really good round, lands more of those right hands at close range again, which were surprising to me. But I believe it was a false sense of security, false sense of confidence. While he was landing the right hands, it was just kind of like when Valdez was landing right hands against Shakur Stevenson. It's like when you're focused on taking away your opponent's greatest weapon, and Valdez, much like Ryan Garcia, his best weapon is the left hook. Tank was in the same position. He took away the left hook, so he definitely got caught with right hands as a result. So while Tank is luring you in, making you think you're making him uncomfortable, it's actually the opposite. And we saw that in the next round. Because while Ryan won the sixth round, and that is one of two rounds I gave him in the entire fight, the seventh round begins with more confidence by Ryan, leads him to exchange with Tank much more, and as a result of that, Tank's bodywork pays dividends. He was doing it earlier in the fight. Those were the shots he was really landing, aside from the left hand that dropped Ryan. Tank lands a beautiful left hand that required replay for most of us to see it. That's how quick and sudden the shot was. You knew he got hit with something live, but I didn't realize how devastating it was until I saw the replay. Well, actually, until I saw the reaction of Ryan Garcia. When Ryan Garcia tries to continue to fight, he realizes, no, <laughs> I have to take a knee here. This is bad. Ryan takes the knee, looks at the ref with blood trickling out of his nose, and just simply doesn't answer the 10 count. He gets up right after 10, and you can tell he's defeated mentally, physically, it's over for Ryan Garcia in this, in this event. Tank Davis wins by stoppage. Ryan was hit on the right side of his body, right where the liver is located. If you're a fan of boxing, you know those liver shots are deadly. For those who aren't a fan of boxing, and mind you, this was a huge event. A lot of casual fans were watching this fight. The talk online was 50-50 here. A lot of people saying... They thought Ryan Garcia quit. They thought he didn't show any dog in him. They thought he could have easily beat the 10 count. The truth is only Ryan Garcia himself knows what kind of pain he was in. Only Ryan Garcia himself knows if he could have gotten up. That's something that he has to answer to himself. He doesn't really owe us anything. But before you're one of those people that are going to jump on him and say he's a quitter and discredit what he did in that ring, I urge you, before making that decision, please check out the video on YouTube. It is by Ken Hub. The title is, Why Can't Your Body Handle a Punch to the Liver? 
Check that out. It's on the Ken Hub YouTube. It has 32 million views. Watch that video. I believe it's six minutes long. Then form an opinion on that. Then tell me a guy's quitting. Like I said, only he knows if he could have got up. Maybe he could have. His eyes were open. He was coherent. He looked around. Maybe he said, hey, if I get up here, I'm not going to be able to move. If I get up here, I'm not going to be able to responsibly defend myself. I'm just going to get hit with another shot, whether it be to the head or the body, and I'm going to get knocked out. Maybe he thought that. Or maybe his body simply shut down and he said, listen, I can't get up. I want to get up. I can't get up. Again, watch that video on YouTube, then form an opinion. Me personally, I don't think he's a quitter because of that. Possibly he did, but from the outside looking in, I don't think, I don't call a guy that gets stopped a quitter. He got dropped earlier in the fight. He got up. He showed that he was willing to exchange with Javante Davis. That right there shows me he has heart. He gave it his all in the sixth round. He gave it his all in the seventh round before getting hit with that body shot. He went out like a fighter. I mean, I don't think you can consider a guy a quitter off, off that. I just don't. I don't agree with that. If that's your opinion, again, like the name of the podcast says, everyone has an opinion. That's fine. I'm not here to argue with you. Only Ryan himself can tell us what he was going through. But as for the fight, I think Ryan did his best. I don't think anything, whether he got up or not or whatever, whether someone in his training camp was telling Javante Davis the times he was training or or what he was eating for breakfast, I don't think any of that mattered when it came to the fight. The skills were just two different levels. Ryan Garcia has tremendous talent. What I mean by that is... His speed is off the charts. You can't teach that. His power is great. Uh, his fitness, he was in good shape. His uh, physical attributes, the height he has for that weight class, those all make him an exceptional talent. Skill is when you work on that talent and you work on that craft and you hone it every single day. Hours and hours in the gym, dedication to your craft. I don't think he is in the same building as a guy like Javante Davis. You can look at the number of fights. They're similar. They've both been boxing since kids. It's in their blood, basically. But as far as putting in the work, putting in the time every single day, I think Javante Davis is a student of boxing. I think Ryan Garcia is also a boxer. He has a lot of other things in his life that he worries about, that he cares about. Boxing is high on that list, but I don't think without boxing, there is no Ryan Garcia. Javante Tank Davis comes off as if boxing didn't exist, Tank Davis wouldn't exist. He gives it his all. This guy puts in the time and it shows in the ring. Timing beats speed every single time. And that's what Tank showed. He knew every single punch Ryan was going to throw for the most part. Except for a few right hands. Ryan did land some good right hands. But that left hook was not landing. 
I don't care if that fight went 12 rounds. Tank had it down to a science. He put in the work. He put in the time studying Ryan Garcia, studying the film. Not only studying the film, but putting in the repetition that it takes to execute the reflexes that he used in that fight to move just slightly out of the way of that left hook. Dip just low enough where that hook goes over your head. That takes skill. I think people who just now, because it was on, maybe because it was on such a big stage, they're just now realizing the skill level that Tank has. I've been talking about it on this podcast for a while now. He's putting in the work and he's showing it each and every fight out. It jumps off the page to me. The athleticism mixed with the IQ, the way he lures you in. He fights a very slow and methodical pace. And if you want to pick up that pace, that's to your detriment. That's why it's so hard to fight Tank Davis. That's why it's so hard to beat Javante Tank Davis. Because while you can win some rounds, because again, Tank does move very methodically as far as punch output. He's low on that list when it comes to volume. When it comes to guys that are throwing the most punches in the sport, Javante Tank Davis is down at the bottom. But when it comes to landing the most power shots, he's at the top. When it comes to landing the highest percentage of power shots, he's at the top, number one. There's a reason for that, folks. He's not just a brawler. He's not just a guy coming there to knock you out. He's setting a trap. And everyone is taking the bait. We're at a point now where we can talk about resumes. We can pick apart who he hasn't fought. No, let's talk about who he has fought. Because he's got in there with some Hall of Fame type talent. When it's all said and done, Leo Santa Cruz is going to the Hall of Fame. He made mistakes against Javante Tank Davis. So when you talk about a guy like Ryan, who's still young, this kid's only 24 years old. He's going to improve as long as he puts in the work. As long as he cares enough, he will improve. But when you're talking about a seasoned guy like Leo Santa Cruz, he's making those mistakes. Of course, a young guy like Ryan Garcia, who has never been even close to this stage, never even fought close to the talent as Tank Davis is. Of course he's going to make the mistakes. Every fighter makes mistakes. You have to fight a perfect fight against Javante Davis. Because... If he doesn't knock you out, he could still outskill you. He could still outjab you. He was jabbing Ryan Garcia, the taller guy, from the outside at times in this fight. That's insane. Ryan fought, like I said, he fought a good fight. He fought to the best of his abilities. But the skills and the game plan, the IQ, it just wasn't there. It just isn't there yet. It doesn't matter what day of the year it was. This fight was going to end the same. Ryan couldn't land that weapon, and that's that's the bottom line. He, he didn't have the other tools in his bag that he could bring out. The jab, while he used it well to get inside, he didn't use it as he should have. He, used, he should have been using it from the outside. You're the bigger guy, and at times in that fight, he showed, I'm the bigger guy. I'm going to muscle tank around here. While that worked a little bit, you also could have switched it up and fought from the outside and used your jab. But again, his jab just isn't on the same level as Javante's. So it's going to be hard to beat Tank. You can look around the division and I see four guys that really stick out that could be next for Tank. 
Outside of these four guys, I don't see anyone else. And that's Devin Haney, Shakur Stevenson, Vasily Lomachenko, Frank Martin. Actually, we can go five guys. In the Pitbull rematch, I think that would be fifth on the list. But it would be acceptable because the first fight went the distance. Um, Tank had a hurt hand, whatever. Some people thought that was really close. I thought it was decently close, but it was a clear victory for Tank. I personally don't need a rematch. But if you want to cut a little bit of slack for Tank, I'll accept that as a fight. But the other four, Frank Martin, Vasily Lomachenko, Devin Haney, Shakur Stevenson, those should be the guys that he's looking at. Either one of those would be excellent matchups. I don't care who wins the Haney and Loma fight. The loser or winner would make for a great fight against Javante Davis. That's just the math of it. That would be a big fight. That would sell tickets. That would sell pay-per-views. That would be an excellent promotion. Do it with one of them. Frank Martin obviously is the least as far as a star goes. But I think that would be very easy to make. Both guys fight under the PBC banner. Both guys are featured on Showtime pretty much exclusively. Um, They have a relationship with Al Heyman, the same advisor. So I think that would definitely be easy to make. And it would be super competitive. Frank Martin has the goods. He destroyed Michelle Rivera. Made him look like he didn't belong in the same ring with him. Michelle Rivera was a really highly touted, undefeated skilled guy that just ran into a buzzsaw on Frank Martin. Frank Martin is on a mission. Frank Martin is trained by the best trainer in the sport, Derek James. I think sky's the limit with Frank. He's a little bit older than these younger guys. He's the same age as Tank, so he definitely wants to get um, this fight as soon as possible, get this opportunity as soon as possible. So that makes the most sense for me as far as business goes, as far as just making a fight in your promotional stable. Not directly, but, you know, they fight on the same network. That's an easy fight to make. Obviously, the other two, to me, are mega-type fights. Shakur Stevenson is pulling in over a million viewers on ESPN. Devin Haney, same thing. Devin Haney also has all of the belts at 135 pounds, so that's a huge caveat that would elevate him over Shakur. And the fact that he's fought better competition, it'd be a better fight to sell, easier fight to sell. It'd be for all the belts. It would be undisputed. It would be massive. So any of these options, and then of course Lomachenko, they've been talking about a Lomachenko tank fight for a long time. Bob Arum wanted it early in Tank's career. And Floyd at that time said, you know, we're in no rush. Lomachenko's the one in a rush. He needs these big fights ASAP. We're building Tank up. And at the time, it was easy to to talk negatively about that and say, hey, you know what? They're protecting Tank and this and that. Looking back, seeing where Tank is now, he's on a much... It's actually not even close, the level that they're on as far as stardom goes. Everyone knows about Tank Davis. Not a lot of people in the U.S. know about Vasily Lomachenko outside of the hardcore boxing fan. Of course... People listen to this podcast, me, myself, people I talk boxing with, of course, everyone of us know Vasily Lomachenko. But I'm talking about the casual viewer. This fight between Gervonta and Ryan Garcia brought in so many casual viewers. People at my job are still talking about this fight on Tuesday. This fight was Saturday. 
That's how big this fight was. That's how known Ryan and Tank are. And that's how diversified their audiences are. One guy brings in a totally different demographic than the other. So they did a great job building Tank. Um, maybe he loses that fight early against Vasily Lomachenko when he's younger in his career. I don't know. Now, Tank would have to be the favorite or it would be very, very even odds um, as far as I'm concerned. We'll have to see if that fight gets made and see what Vegas puts out there. But I couldn't imagine a situation at this point where Tank's the underdog in that fight. By no means. So any of those fights will be awesome. I personally, if I had to pick, I would take the Devin Haney fight. I think that's the biggest fight out of them all. I think that means the most for the titles on the line. Two guys, young, undefeated in their prime. That matters. And just continue this role of huge events. That's what I would do. But again, I'm not mad at any choice. Frank Martin fight is, is incredible. I mean, that could go so many different ways. Frank Martin has the goods and he can compete with all of these guys. Don't get it twisted just because he's not as well known as anyone else. Go look at Frank Martin footage. Go look at the fights. Go look at the Michelle Rivera performance. This dude is the real deal. Either way, 135 is on fire. As far as Ryan Garcia goes, I don't know what's next for him. I'm definitely expecting him to take a lot of time off. I think either way, he has to take at least three months off for a medical suspension. That happens to any fighter when you get stopped, whether it's knocked unconscious or not. You took enough damage where you couldn't continue a fight. You need to chill out for a little bit. So three-month medical suspension. So that brings us to what? June, July. Um, so I don't think he'll be back in the summer. I'm trying to think. Maybe late fall, November-ish. I can see Ryan Garcia get back in the ring. He says he's going to fight at 140. The thing with 140 is I get it. He probably says he's going to feel more comfortable with that weight. But 140, man, it doesn't get much easier. What does the taxi driver in Home Alone 2 say to McCulloch Hulkin when he gets into the, the back of his cab? It ain't much better in here, kid. That's pretty much what I have to say to Ryan Garcia about 140. It ain't much better up there. There's killers at 140. 135 is tough. 140 got dudes that will knock your lights out. They got Tank at 135, but Haney and Shakur, you don't got to worry about them really doing huge damage with one punch. At 140, you got guys that will take your head off from Josh Taylor to Tiafimo Lopez to Subriel Matias to Gary Antoine Russell. You name it. That division, Regis Progray, I mean, that division is loaded with heavy-handed guys that are looking to rip through Ryan Garcia. They're looking at Ryan Garcia like food. So he needs to tread extremely cautiously at 140. Take a soft touch for your first fight. Someone mentioned Pedro Campa. I mean, that's actually, that's a good matchup. You had... Campa recently fought Brandon Lee. He fought Teofimo Lopez. Gave He didn't give Lopez much of a test, but he tested where his power was at. Brandon Lee got all he could handle from Pedro Campa. So put Ryan in there with a guy like that. A guy that you're going to beat, but you're going to have to walk through some stuff. You're going to have to land some significant shots to get Campa out of there because he's going to bring it from round one Till it ends, till you make him stop. 
So that was a good suggestion. I forget who pointed that one out, but that's a good test for Ryan Garcia, someone like that, or Brandon Lee. Like I just mentioned, Brandon Lee's undefeated. Brandon Lee, and I'm a big fan of Brandon Lee. I think he has a lot of potential, but much like Ryan, he's not that polished. He isn't. He has heavy hands. He's exciting in the ring. He comes to fight, but he makes a lot of mistakes, and I think that is from bad habits of fighting a lot of bad competition. Brandon Lee, look at his record. He has a lot of fights under his belt, over 25 fights, I believe, but not quality opponents, and that is where you develop bad habits. You get comfortable beating up on guys who can't really give anything in exchange, so you're not really focused 100% defensively. You're not really worried about distance too much because you're like, I'm going to walk through this guy. That's a bad habit. You get in there with big punchers, you're not going to walk through them. You're going to get knocked out. He's already been dropped. He does that again. He will get knocked out. But with that being said, the last few fights, Brandon Lee has been slowly going up. He's not jumping uh, up in leaps of competition. He's, He's going through those steps now. And I think Ryan Garcia needs to go through those similar steps where you're taking the steps in competition. You're not jumping from Luke Campbell, who's a really good fighter. You're not jumping to an elite fighter. No, you need to get a couple of other good fighters under your belt. Get that ring experience. Go through some some adversity in there. He went through adversity in the Campbell fight. He went through adversity in the Tank fight. Now, you want to go through some, not just getting dropped. That's not the only adversity. Trying to knock a guy out, and he just keeps coming forward. What are you going to do then? Go through Stuff like that, where you're landing your best shot, and that guy's still taking it. Those are the type of fights Ryan Garcia needs. So I could see a Brandon Lee, a Pedro Campa, or someone lower than that even. if Whatever it takes to get this dude the skills he needs. Because I'm going to give him a two-year window here. He's only 24 years old. I'm going to give him a two-year window of improvement before he is ready for one of these other top guys. Maybe you cash out. It depends what Ryan Garcia feels. If you want to cash out with him, you can just make another big fight right away. You can do that. He has the star power. He will bring in the money. He will generate the interest. It will be exciting because he's that explosive of a puncher when he can land that left hook. But you have to go through the steps if you want to be a great. And I think this could be a great learning process for him if he wants to put in the work. But again, it's all up to what he wants to do with his career. I'm just a man with an opinion. I'm not an expert. I'm not running his career. I'm just giving some suggestions, and that's what I think. You guys let me know what you think. Also on this card, we had two young guys really show out. Elijah Garcia was in the opener. He was matched up pretty tough against Kevin Salgado. Salgado showed much improvement from the last time I saw him. I guess he switched trainers. He fought really, really well. He gave Elijah Garcia all he could handle early on in this fight. But Elijah, showing that patience that I mentioned in the pre-fight preview this fighter is going places he shows poise that you see from veterans and this dude's only 19 years old he was getting worked in there in the early rounds stayed composed stuck to the game plan started landing more body shots um, started adjusting to what Salgado was throwing and pulled across a clear victory in the end really good learning curve fight for him again these young fighters 19 years of age, coming off a big win, all this hype, you're on a huge pay-per-view platform of the biggest fight of the year, and you're opening the show, that's a lot of pressure. This dude showed the poise 
that many fighters his age would not have been able to pull off. Yes, it was a little inconsistent. That happens with young fighters. But this was a step in the right direction. His stock continues to rise. He's coming off two impressive victories in a row. And this was in, this was in what, two months of each other? I think eight weeks in between. Highly, highly special stuff here by Elijah Garcia. I hope he continues this trend. Take some time off now. You just had two back-to-back. Work on some things. Get back on another high-profile card. Keep an eye on Elijah Garcia. He's one of the young guys that's going to bring life into what is now pretty much a dead division. The middleweight division, 160 pounds, used to be one of the most star-driven and impressive divisions in boxing. It's now fallen off a cliff. You need these young guys to step up and bring it back to what it once was. That's not the case with the super middleweight division, though. 168 is in a great place. It's not very deep. We don't have... 12 great fighters that we can rattle off, but the star power is there. You have Canelo Alvarez, who holds all the belts. You have David Benavidez. You have Caleb Plant. You have Demetrius Andrade. And the guy that was in the co-main in the tank, Ryan Garcia fight, David Morrell Jr. This guy put the world on notice. I've spoken highly of this dude. I have been on record saying I will take David Morrell over any human being that can make 168 pounds. That is how I feel about David Morrell. I'm already on the bandwagon. It may be too late for you to jump on. This guy had a sensational knockout, and I get it. It was a first-rounder. It was against a guy who had really no shot at beating him. But there is something to be said about delivering in these moments. We saw... Jerron Ennis, Boots, highly skilled, blue chip prospect type guy. Jumps off the charts, Roy Jones type reflexes in the way he fights. That guy was on this stage, literally the same stage, the Tank Davis undercard. He didn't deliver last time out. He just didn't. For the casuals watching, they tune in, they hear about this guy, they see him and they say, that's the guy that everyone was talking about? Uh, He didn't seem special to me. Well, that is wrong. He is special. But to the average viewer, they see him and they weren't impressed. They're not going to remember him. David Morrell, a lot of people remember what they just saw Saturday night. A lot of people texted my phone, casual viewers who just tuned in because they knew it was going to be a big fight. They said, whoa, what was that? They didn't care about who his opponent was. They didn't know him to begin with. That wasn't important. What was important was the performance that he put on, the display that he put on. That's what you do to bums. When you're in there with bums, you knock them out. You destroy them. That's why they're called bums. You treat them like bums. When Canelo's in there with a bum like he's about to be May 6th against John Ryder, he's going to treat him like a bum. He's going to stop him. He's going to show they're not even close to my level. That's what you do. That's how you make a statement. When you have... Your name being mentioned with guys like David Benavidez and Bubu Andrade. Those are highly skilled fighters that have been around for a long time now. David Morrell only has about eight fights on his record. He's looking to make that statement. But when guys are mentioning your name with those top dudes, you continue your momentum. You do what you're supposed to do. You beat who's in front of you. And that's exactly what he did. He didn't waste time. He don't get paid by the hour. He ran through his opponent 
because he was on a different level than him. And he called out David Benavides on that big stage. So now, to the casual viewer, if they hear a guy get called out and they see, oh, David Benavides isn't fighting David Morrell, why isn't he fighting that guy that we saw on the tank car that knocked out so-and-so, that destroyed him? Is he scared? Is he ducking? That's the type of conversations that will be created, whether they're right or wrong. Those are the things people will be saying if David Benavides doesn't fight David Morrell. Now, do I think the fight's going to happen? I actually do. I actually think there's a pretty good chance that we get that. Because like I said, 168 isn't very deep at all. And Canelo seems to be occupied. He's fighting John Ryder. And then he says he's fighting Dimitri Bivol, who says he's coming down from 175 just to take Canelo's belts at 168. That would be impressive if that happens. I would like to see it. So it looks like Canelo's off the map for Benavidez, right? And then you take the recent rumor, and that rumor has been confirmed, that Boo Boo and Charlo had a conversation that lasted several hours. They're all in. Both sides are trying to make this fight happen between them. So if you're David Benavidez and you look at the landscape at 168, and you see Canelo out there matched up with Bivol, you look over to your right, you see Boo Boo matched up with Charlo, you look down below, you see Caleb Plant, who you already just convincingly beat. There's not much out there for you. What else is left? Beck the Bully? I mean, I guess that would sell a little bit. Uh, Beck the Bully has a decent name. Zach Parker, if you want to do something in the UK, I think that could work. But other than that, I don't think Benavides would get much credit for fighting a guy like him. Again, decent fighter, just not known like that. Christian Mbele... Another guy, he isn't known, but he's an excellent, excellent fighter. He's another guy I think could give anyone in the division problems. I just don't think that fight makes a lot of sense right now. So I really do think David Morrell is right at the top of that list of, of possible fights for David Benavides, where it's a big fight, it's a tough fight, you're going to get credit for it. It kind of fills all those boxes. This is a guy who's made evented events before. He's made evented um, in Minnesota. He's made evented on Fox. Like, that's a big deal. A lot of people have seen David Morrell more than they've seen um, some of these other names that I just rattled off. You have Anthony Durrell still lingering around. Benavidez already fought him, so there would be literally no reason to make that fight. So the options aren't there. So I really do like the chances that we get that next. And hopefully we do, because I can't wait to see that matchup. And you know I'm picking David Morrell. You heard it here first. Book it. That's all I got for you guys this week. Tune in next weekend. I'll have something. I actually am also working on a wrestling episode for those wrestling fans, boxing fans. You can take your deep size now. Uh-huh. I will have more boxing content within the next week. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to give me that five-star review. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Boxing is on fire right now. Hopefully it continues this momentum, and I will continue to break down these fights. Thank you guys. I'm out.